There's a woman outside of a town called Sheridan, where the sky comes so near to earth, it has to use the crosswalk just like everybody else. There's a woman outside of Sheridan, sitting in the sun yellow booth in the far back corner of the Blue Bison Diner and Souvenir Shop, under a busted wagon wheel and a pair of wall-mounted commemorative plates. One's from the moon landing, the other's from old Barnum Brown discovering the first T-Rex skeleton up at Hell Creek. There's a woman outside of Sheridan, and she is eating the sin of America. Lightning recap. A woman is given a tremendous task that will change everything and nothing. You've got a little time. We've got a little podcast. (laughs) This is Short Story Short Podcast. I am here today with... Christy L. Baxter. And, you know, I felt so good all week. I, I really... What I really need to do is to get into a... A group of things in which all but one of them will lose so that I might feel better about my future of losing. Would you say that would be kind of like a, a lottery of sorts? I was thinking more like a, a series of nominees. Oh, okay. All right. I see. Like, uh, like a slate. Similar, yes. Or <laughs> a granite. But what granite? member would we be reading this week this week we would be reading the sin of america by katherine m valenti now hi cat we have read cat before uh thy car thy sparrows pulled the, the radiant car thy sparrows drew something along that those one lines. yeah <laughs> yeah that's still easier than uh Owl creek overpass um but <laughs> This story in particular is one of those stories that one, you have to be willing to read deeper than just the surface. And you are 100% rewarded by having knowledge in this case of Christ symbology and also American history. (laughs) And a lot of writers trying to write this, it would feel exceptionally heavy-handed and maybe this is but it's so beautifully written that I don't notice agreed and I don't I don't think it's heavy-handed at all I think she she uses a nice deft light touch with everything um and sort of comes at the central idea of the story more sideways than directly which is I think part of what helps to kind of ease the reader into it. And she's using one of my favorite techniques where it is the ordinary, the humdrum, the scenes that we are encountering all the time if we live in along busy highways. Um, But at the same time, there's a fantastical element that is, in this case, I would say used lyrically it is to fold over this scene with just magnificently constructed writing. 
Yeah, there's so much that is just like beautiful about this that it's really the the writing that pulls you in and and overcomes any any issues of of heavy handedness and is she's really good at setting the scene but not in like a standard pedestrian kind of way. It's 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 a very it's a more um I don't want to say whimsical because it's too <laughs> deep to be whimsical. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not light and airy or anything like that, but there's just a lot of gorgeous imagery. And we learned that a group of butterflies is called a kaleidoscope, which is my favorite fun fact of the week now. I am <laughs> so happy about that. And I think what's great about cats writing overall is how that ability to structure language in a way that hits the poetry section of the brain yes. is is really remarkable. Uh, Palimpsest, her novel from about 12, 15 years ago, uh, amazing example of that. Uh, Six Gun Snow White, a novella she did about maybe eight, nine years ago now. Beautifully done. And my one of my personal favorites of all time, Space Opera. Uh, it's Eurovision in space, really. And it is just absolutely remarkable. It opens with, uh, I think it's Enrico, an Enrico Fermi segment that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> but what one thing that you can always count on is this budding up of popular culture that happens. And, you know, uh, one of my personal favorites, it was Lenny who had hung up all those felt the NFL champion pennants in chronological order, starting with the Cleveland Browns in the year of her birth dangling over the revolving pipe display case and terminating abruptly in the 1982 Washington Redskins, whose solemn mascot frowns down on the cash register. I mean, it is a sentence that does nothing to move the story forward. It is a sentence that does everything to move not only the setting forward, but the character's involvement with the setting. Agreed, agreed. And then you have beautiful lines like the blue bison is diner is a ghost living room and is serving the sin of America. I mean, that's, that's just, it just knocked me for a loop, a ghost living room. <laughs> I'm going to call everything a ghost living room now, but yes, <laughs> I love that, album. <laughs> that, that intersection of character and setting and how they play with each other how um, the, the setting tells us more about the characters and the characters then tell us more about the setting. They sort of inform each other. And that, that I can really appreciate. I think if, if somebody is looking for uh, a primer on how those two aspects of fiction can work well together, I think this would be a good example to use. Mm -hmm. This is the other quadrant of the, uh, the, Exterior world, interior world, uh, positivity of human emotion thing that I would say Richard III lays on the exact opposite side of, where it is the physical description of the exterior of the person. It's here, it's the world that they're living in. And I think that is amazing. And I think there's something here too. It's serving the sin of America. What's serving the sin of America is this America of, of people who live along highways. <laughs> <laughs> and that is an interesting statement in and of itself. 
and one that I actually see as being smarter than I would have thought it to be. If you were to describe, you know, the average American is someone who uh, lives with diners in their blood. I would say, no, that's not true. It's mostly, but then I kind of realized, well, in a way it is. In a way it all is. And that I think is what makes it interesting is that it's serving the sin of America. (laughs) In both senses. In both senses, yes. It's this sort of, there's an aspect of homespun capitalism, I guess I would call it. Uh, it, it, it's really hard for me. I, I think that's the best ex- description I'm going to come up with. But it's, it's just this very like countrified, backwoods, down home, but still got to make a dollar, still got to earn your living, you know, <laughs> still got to make mm-hmm. money. And uh, then sort of added with that into a sort, sort of a sense of feeding into gluttony. You beat me to it. Um. <laughs> Woo! Cross the finish line. <laughs> yeah, that's this idea that the ultimate sin of America somehow has to do with gluttony and the restaurant and <laughs> all these sort of ideas, I think, actually plays very well. And again, you are rewarded for having, because this is a Christ allegory in a way. And I think that that, the more you know into that realm, you know, if you can add all this Christian symbology and so forth and theology and all the other stuff that and ologies, um, that once you can combine all that, you can look through this story through a couple of different lenses. And I think what's interesting is if you look at it as this is what, this is how we view America. And this is how we view uh, the religion aspect of it. At some point, the two are at the exact right level away from your eyes to form a full form picture. It's like a stereograph. Uh, And I like that idea. And I can see me doing that with little things. (laughs) And then the eye doctor comes in and says, which is better, one or two? One (laughs) or two? About the same. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. Yes. And I like this story. It's less of a, I don't know if I'd say it's as much of a, it's not a go out there, knock them around action story. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not, but it does still feel like there is a lot at stake, even Mm -hmm. though nothing will change. (laughs) Wow. You just described a whole lot of stuff. (laughs) That is true. Yes. (laughs) Stakes are gigantic, but nothing ultimately will change. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like this is written about the world at large over the past billion years. <laughs> almost like, almost like. <laughs> and I, I have to say, I enjoyed this. I don't know if I would, like writing wise, I would put it as the number one thing we've read so far. I think there's, there is literally, I can think of maybe three people, one of which being Ted Chang and the other one being Rachel Swirsky, who have this level of ability to create in sentence. And I think that this is a, a wonderful read. It's not exactly what I'm looking for in a story necessarily, but it's when I encounter it, I enjoy it. Personally, I think the writing is good enough that this, it, it's good enough to sway me into putting this in my, my number one spot. 
So far. Zooms. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, you know what? I could see that. Um, I've got, I, maybe it's just that I have a real soft spot for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder in what direction you might be leaning. <laughs> I lean in every direction at once. It's my superpower. <laughs> <laughs> got any other thoughts here there, Christy? Uh, just that this story is like if the lottery and the, what was it, the Death Eaters? Oh, yeah. If they got together and had a baby and then that baby got selected to go and uh, sacrifice itself upon the altar of uh, capitalism and uh, gluttony and uh, all those wonderful things. The Sin Eater. Was it the Sin Eater? Yeah, the one who was eating all the sin. Okay, all right. So this is so it's very much like that. It's a it's a baby. <laughs> it's a baby. <laughs> well, yes, and I think I think that that's a good that's a good way to combine it. It's a as far as if you then use, I would say that is a eight. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, 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 Christy. Did you get stuck there? Yes. <laughs> what should we read next week? I think that next week we should read another Hugo nominated story, Tangles by John and <laughs> McGuire. Excellent. Another person who I have genuine fondness for. So until that week, this half been short story. Short podcast. <laughs>